This is the Action Network Podcast. And this one is good. All right, here we go. From the 10th, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Action Network podcast. We made it. We are in the playoffs. We have made it to wild card weekend. Not the greatest weekend of football we ever had, if we're being honest, but we're here. It's the playoffs. I'm your host, Brandon Anderson, here with Raheem Palmer, as always. And we're going to talk through all five playoff games this weekend. We'll preview the sixth playoff game to come Monday night tonight as you listen to this. Not really great games for the weekend, but we did get two wild finishes, one in particular. We got the teams we knew were good all season, the Bills, the Bucks, the Chiefs, just coasting right through. But Raheem, are we just going to spend the entire hour talking about the Cowboys game? Um, I, I mean, I don't think there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the Cowboys game. It was kind of what we both expected. Obviously, you had the Niners. I had the Niners. You gave out a future on the 49ers plus 2,500. I actually gave out a Swami 90s parlay Bills 49ers to go to the Super Bowl. I know the Swami has been picking it every <laughs> single year in the 90s. I thought we had some fun with it with some teams that have a, a real chance that to go there and it's plus 5,000. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Gotta love Chris Berman. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo bills. We'll talk bills. We'll talk Cowboys and Niners. We'll get to all those. We'll do the Monday night preview. We'll get to a quick hot read. Look at the divisional lines for next week. That I've just posted as we record this on Sunday night. Of course, as always, odds are from bet MGM, the official odds provider of the action network podcast. All right. We got to start with the Cowboys game. We're going to hit the two games that were closer, and then we'll go back to the other three after that. So Dallas closed as a three-and-a-half-point favorite, the total at 51.5, and the Niners were around plus 150 on the money line. Like you said, both of us on the 49ers, this was our hot read last week. This was this was the game that we had circled for both of us as our best play of the week. And, yeah, it, it really felt like, for the most part, until things unraveled late, this was – just about the game that we thought we saw coming. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mentioned it last week. This Cowboys offense just hasn't been the same since Dak Prescott returned from his injury in week nine. From week nine and week 17, they were 16 for EPA for play, 21st in success rate, 19th for drive-back success rate. And you saw that play out today. You're looking at the first half. Dak, at one point, he was 10 for 19 for 94 yards, and they were down two scores. So it's like you're looking at this Cowboys offense, they completely struggle. And then on the other side of the ball, as much as we praise this Cowboys defense, it felt like the, the 49ers got whatever they wanted. In the run game, Jimmy Garoppolo was playing well. The only thing that they didn't do well, which made this a game, was they, their drives just kept stalling out in the red zone. So that's what, that's what kept this game alive. Yeah, it, it was definitely a game. As a Niners backer, I'm sure that you were feeling the same thing, which was, that I felt like we had the game well in control, exactly what we wanted the whole first half, first drive. The Niners get the ball. They're just ripping off 10, 15 yards of play, running right through them. Exactly why I like the Niners, exactly why we both were on the futures because of their run ability. We knew Dallas's run defense can hold up. It's just what we saw. They got the touchdown, but then the rest of the first half, three more field goal drives. They keep running it. They keep controlling the ball, not quite finishing. Then they give up the long touchdown or longish touchdown to Amari Cooper right before halftime. Let's go back a little bit because on the last field goal drive before the Cowboys touchdown, they had a fourth and one. And I just don't understand how you don't go for it at that point. It was just very, very frustrating. At that point, I think you actually got a chance to go up 17, nothing. And instead you elect to kick the field goal. You go up 13, nothing. You're at the Dallas 22. And the way they've been running the ball at that point, I don't understand how Kyle Shanahan doesn't do it. But right after that, the Cowboys score a touchdown. And then, obviously, the 49ers, they go down and kick another field goal. It's 16-7 going into the half. But this could have been completely disastrous because the Cowboys actually had the ball before the half, 
and they were getting the ball after the half. So they could have doubled up and took the lead right there. So that's at the point where I started to get worried. Yeah, definitely. I, I was getting a little worried there as well, where it felt like, okay, one team in control, exactly what we thought. But we said this last week too. I, I thought that there was a script for this game where the Niners dominated the clock, 40 to 20 minutes of possession. They run the ball all game. They double up the yardage or something big like that. And then the Cowboys just have those four or five big plays, a couple big passing plays, a couple turnovers. So we got the Amari Cooper passing play to get the touchdown. Suddenly the lead is cut more than half. And of course, late in the game, we'll come back to late in the game later, but we have the turnovers, those other big plays. And I started to worry, did I get the right script, but the wrong version of the script for this game as you know, the, the Niners good stuff was happening, but yeah, both coaches in this game. And I know we're going to have much to say about Mike McCarthy, both coaches coaching not to lose in this one, instead of coaching to win when you're the Niners and you have such a powerful run game and the Cowboys can't stop you. How are you not going for it on these fourth and ones? So we'll come back to that big one later. So we're in the second half now. And there's, there's the sequence where the Cowboys get a penalty. Let me narrow it down for you. That was all the sequences. So Cowboys get a big penalty. Dak gets sacked. And now it's second and, second and long. And so now Dak forces one and it gets picked off barely outside the red zone. Very next play, handoff to Debo Samuel, touchdown Niners. And I think the game's done at this point. We're 23-7 now. The Niners are controlling the game. The Cowboys defense has got to be getting tired. And I thought that that four-play sequence, I think that was four straight plays. I felt like that was curtains for the Cowboys at that point. Were you feeling pretty good at, at that point? On your oh, I felt like this game was over. And then the 49ers, not only, they got the ball back. I think they were at the San Francisco 9. They pick up a first down. Things are looking good. Like, they're just going to roll down and put up more points on the board. Jimmy Garoppolo has Brandon Ayuk wide open. And I mean wide open. He completes this pass. Ayuk probably is going to score. It's 30 to 7 at that point. And we're, we're, we're on easy street. We're going home. Yeah. Instead, he misses the pass. The 49ers end up punting. Cabo is going to field goal to the next possession. But then even then, you're still feeling very comfortable because we're in the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter, up 13. They're driving the ball. And then disaster yeah, hits. Hold, hold on. Yeah, hold on. Before the disaster, we got to start time coaching now. So what did you think about Cowboys are down 16 and kick the field goal in the fourth quarter, I believe. So you're down two touchdowns. You kick the field goal to stay down two touchdowns. A Mike McCarthy classic on that one. Rewind a little before that. McCarthy punted in the third quarter when I think the Cowboys probably need to be going for. You need to get some points. And then later on, they line up to punt again. They run a fake punt. Works like a charm. Somehow, the Niners are kind of in a fake punt. You know, they're, they're, they're prepared for it, but it works. The Cowboys get the first down, and then, like idiots, keep the punt team on the field like they're trying to, trying to catch San Francisco off guard. Basically, they're trying to force the timeout. And instead, San Francisco isn't caught off guard, doesn't really panic. The Cowboys suddenly run the punt team off the field, run the offense onto the field, Waste the entire play clock, which, by the way, the San Fran timeout is not as important as the 30, 40 seconds you just blew in a game you're still trailing by, like, two touchdowns now. And then they get the delay of game on top of it. Mike McCarty, just absolute idiot, outsmarted himself on that one. Delay of game, the field goal. What do you think of the field goal or the fake punt? Look, I love the fake punt, but that said a lot more about the one defender who just didn't follow the instructions. <laughs> Everybody else understood that this is a fake punt formation. And the one guy just runs off and just leaves him wide open. And I'm sitting here <laughs> like, what the hell is going on? It was just one of those games where that's what happened all game. And it just was, it was very frustrating, but to go to kick the field goal there, I thought it was inexcusable. And yeah. it was surprising because Dallas all year has remained aggressive. We all talked about Mike McCarthy. He's becoming more aggressive. He's getting more, more analytically sound. But in the biggest pressure moments, a Tiger can't change his stripes. That's exactly what happened when he kicked that field goal. Yeah, speaking of a Tiger not changing his stripes, now we're back to your disaster mode. So another Tiger, Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> we're up 13. We're at like 10 minutes left. I think under that. Run the ball. You're gashing on the run game. Just hand the ball off. Get out of here. Keep the clock moving. 
Instead, Jimmy does what Jimmy does best, which is throw an absolute back-breaking interception on the wrong side of the field. Cowboys get the ball back. That's exactly what you don't want to do. Of course, you want to give the other team the ball. And you don't want to put them in scoring position when the offense has really done almost nothing all game. You know, the funny thing about that interception, and I think this is a theme for this entire game, is the two interceptions came after penalties. So Debo yeah. Samuel actually breaks a 13-yard run, and it looks like they're headed into Dallas t- territory. Instead, you get a holding call. It's a spot penalty, first and 15. Debo Daniels, he runs five yards, and then on second down, instead of you're in Dallas territory or second and short, you're looking at second and 10, and Jimmy Garoppolo feels like he has to make a play, and it's the worst possible pass ever. Just terrible. So the Niners turn it over. The Cowboys drive it in. Dak runs in for the touchdown. On that drive, Very could be very bad for the 49ers. Fred Warner gets hurt on that drive. So the Niners got the win. The Garoppolo interception did not cost them their season. It could have, but it might cost them their season indirectly if that Fred Warner injury ends up being a big deal. We'll come back to that one, I know. Nick Bosa, another injury. He got a concussion symptoms earlier in the game. Bosa and Warner are are big names for this defense. So got to see what happens with those guys this week. Uh, Obviously, the 49ers will play the Packers. We've got big defensive names on both sides. So we need to see what's happening with them. So the Cowboys get the touchdown. Niners get the ball back. We're still up six. And the Niners still just run the ball, keep the clock moving. Everyone's got their timeouts left. We have the pass out to George Kittle, who breaks the tackle, tries to get a little bit more, and fumbles. And the Cowboys recover. The crowd goes crazy, but it's not a catch. They overturn it. The ball bounced right before he caught it. So we're back to third and long. Garoppolo drops back, throws another terrible pass over the middle that gets and should have been intercepted, and it wasn't. And instead, we get an illegal hands of the face. I think that was Gallimore on that one. So automatic first down on a third and long for the Niners. It's the same thing that we've been seeing, penalties. Just penalties killing. 14 penalties for the Cowboys. Franchise record. A lot of playoff games for the Cowboys, too. So no small thing. 14 penalties. At this point, in my notes, I've got, okay, both teams are just trying to lose at this point. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. At that point, it feels like the, the 49ers, they have to run out the clock. And they're just basically running because they're afraid that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make a mistake. They ended up punting to the Cowboys. Cowboys ended up turning it over on downs at the San Francisco 47. And the 49ers, it looks like they're going to end this game. They have no intention of actually passing the ball. It's only about a minute left. And the Cowboys actually get a penalty. It's like both of these teams, are they're just trying to give the game away. I've never seen anything like it. 49ers, they get a fourth and one. All they got to do is quarterback sneak it, and the game's over. They get a false start penalty, and the Cowboys get the ball back. So, and, and, and Not just a false start penalty. Jimmy Garoppolo is 11 for 11 on QB sneaks at this point of the season. He's a big dude. You're dominating in the trenches. You have an awesome offensive line. You're like three inches away. We it's first is a first down. We review it. We give it back. It's a fourth down now. Just snap and lean forward. That's it. Just lean forward. What are you doing? Putting your left tackle in motion. Only Kyle Shanahan dreaming up some stupid thing, putting Trent Williams in motion. So we call it a false start. It's really, it's like an illegal formation. Like he didn't set in time. Just stand there and fall forward and the game is over. What are we doing? Yeah, I just, it was, it was very frustrating. And then obviously the Cowboys get the ball back and they actually have a shot at a Hail Mary. And to make things worse, it's like the 49ers are playing like one of the worst prevent coverages I've ever seen because they're allowing the, the Cowboys to chuck the ball down the field on and the get out of bounds on the sidelines. They're not playing any sideline coverage. They're just letting these guys run out of bounds. Nobody's trying to tackle anybody. And then finally, with 14 seconds to go, they're at the 50 or so. Dak, they, they call this running play. And in many ways, it might have been brilliant if there was more time, but they called a running play to run up the field. Dak slides, they tackle him, and they just don't have enough time to complete the spike. The game is over. And it, it just it was just one of those games to where, look, I was on the 49ers, but I'm also a Cowboys fan. I had big money on the 49ers today. I just wanted it to end because with my luck, the Cowboys would have tied that game. Greg Z would have missed the extra point. It would have gone to overtime. <laughs> and this would have been a real stinker of the week. Cover in overtime against you. 
Oh my God. I, I, that was, that was my biggest fear. You are a lifelong Cowboys fan. You got all your money on the Niners here. I know it's your big play for the weekend. The Cowboys are driving. It looks like they got a real shot here. In that moment, I know you know yourself. Be honest. Who are you rooting for? Are you rooting for your guys or are you rooting for your wallet? So I had about $10,000 on this 49ers plus three. And then I had a, about another 4000 on the 49ers money line. So if the Cowboys score and, and kick the field goal, I still make some money, but I'm going to be honest. I'm rooting for my wallet. The Cowboys, I love them to death, but they don't pay my bills. And based on the way they played today, there's no way I saw this team going to the Super Bowl anyway. So I was rooting for the 49ers the whole way. Uh, that's what I thought. I just want our listeners to hear it. <laughs> that wild end of the game. I mean, I, I honestly, that, that Dak run, just insane. I understand what you're trying to do. I understand that you think you're going to, like, he can slide. You don't have to wait to get tackled. They know the receivers don't run down the field. It's, it's planned. I get it. But you got to, like, first of all, hand the ball to the referee. Like, be like Larry Fitzgerald. We've all watched Larry Fitzgerald run the ball to the referee and hand it to him and get everyone lined up. Instead, their own offensive line blocked better than it has all season and blocked the ref from getting to the other side to put the ball down. And I don't know if he got the spike down in time anyways. I, I think the clock might have run out. You got to really lean on the Dallas timekeeper to hope you get another second there. Baffling call on that spot. By the way, I, I have to point out to our guy, Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, hook and lateral on that first play to get the drive going. Kellen Moore, old quarterback from Boise State in that classic Boise State-Oklahoma game on the hook and ladder. And that's flashbacks for me. I had to, had to enjoy that one. Earlier, we talked about the fourth downs and Sam Fran not getting those through. They had the early fourth and one. They had the late one we talked about. Before that, they had the drive around the 50. They got a fourth and one there because Debo got tackled by Leighton Vanderesh. Great tackle. Stops him right around the 50. I'm screaming, go for it. Just get out there and, again, pick up a yard, and you basically run the clock out. Instead, they take the delay of game. Then they get a false start. They give up 10 yards of field position. This, both of these co coaches drove me crazy in this game of just making suboptimal decisions. Like, we're, we're too smart for this at this point. We know not to do these things. And, yeah, I, just, I, I know your guy, Dak, drove you crazy. Not good enough in this game. You know, he, he just, he didn't show up here. 23 of 43, 254 yards, 5.9 yards per attempt. Not going to do the trick. Five sacks. That's on the quarterback also. Ezekiel Elliott, 12 runs for 31 yards. Not good enough. CeeDee Lamb, one catch. Not good enough. Cowboys just weren't good enough. This game should not have been this close. And the Cowboys were great early this season and not good enough at the end. Yeah, I think that's that's my biggest takeaway is Dakota Prescott just was not good enough. And I think you summed it up well. He had a negative 13.2 EPA per play, 56% completion percentage. When you look at their passing success rate, 35% passing success rate. Early passes were 38% success rate. They generated just a first down on 24% of their passing attempts. Look, this Cowboys offense was rolling to start the year. And it just hasn't been that since he came back from injury. So I think, I don't know if like things have to change with Kellen Moore or Mike McCarthy, but this offense really just hasn't been insane. And for a team to have all these weapons and be stacked, the defense played above his head this season, probably one of the easiest schedules. The time was now. It's a real missed opportunity for them. I could point out credit too to the 49ers offensive line. Like we've said, Trent Williams, George Kittle, obviously at tight end, the rest of that line, they won the game. They were the MVP of this game. 38 rushes for 169 yards and two touchdowns, four and a half yards of carry, basically just controlling the game. Also, key number, zero sacks allowed against that awesome front Dallas uh, seven, and they just didn't get the pressure they needed to, and Jimmy was, was feeling safe back there. Don't overreact against the Niners here. This is a very good team that played a very good game. They tried to choke a little bit late, but they held on to get the win. They stopped Dallas a couple times. And that win, the win probability for the 49ers never dropped below 75% in this game uh, by in the fourth quarter. So they were safely in charge of the game still. I, I think that the public is going to look at this game and be like, man, both of these teams are terrible. I don't want to bet on either one of them anymore. 
And I liked a lot what we saw in San Fran here. The, the read you and I had going into this game, that's the team that we saw. And if their defense is healthy enough, it's the team that can still do some real damage going forward. So obviously the Niners are headed to Green Bay. We'll talk about that one later. Let's go back to the first game of the weekend. The only other game that was even close at all, raiders Bengals, which I called a playoff appetizer starting us out. We got that usual first AFC game to kick off our Saturday. Bengals closed at five and a half point favorites and ended up covering uh, 26 to 19 on the win. And, uh, you know, headline from that game, just what we all came to see, the Jerome Boger show. We got a rough show, all sorts of calls going crazy on this game. What'd you think of Raiders Bengals? The Cincinnati Bengals defense, we've been talking about it all year. They face probably the 31st schedule of opposing defenses. And anytime they face solid offenses, they get carved up. So it looked like we were in the midst of a shootout and the Raiders go down, kick a field goal. The Bengals come right back and score seven points. And to me, from that point on, it just never really truly felt like a game to me. It just felt like the Bengals were in total control, but similar to the 49ers game, the Raiders red zone defense, they did what they had to do. I mean, look, the Bengals were just two for five in the red zone. They just kept kicking field goals. But fortunately for the Bengals, their red zone defense showed up as well. So the, the Raiders were just one for five in the red zone. Neither one of these two teams could punch it in. Probably frustrating for over better. <laughs> I, I didn't have anything yeah. on this game, but I couldn't imagine what it felt like to have an over in this game. Well, yeah. And we didn't even mention at the end of the game, the Raiders get intercepted basically at the goal line on fourth down to preserve the under and the, the Cincinnati cover. Cause otherwise they probably tied up when we go to overtime, we go over and the Raiders might get yet another overtime win there. So I, I don't know if I agree that the Bengals were in control all the way because the Raiders were never really out of it. And the Raiders were a team this year that was never really out of it. By the way, you, you talked about three of 10 combined in the red zone, just horrendous. Let's be honest, should have been two of 10 in the red zone because the, the big play in this game is right before halftime, two minute warning, the Bengals are third down in the red zone. Joe Burrow makes a fantastic play. Joe Burrow is rolling right and he's just about to go out of bounds and he does the Mahomes thing that, you know, where he kind of stays a split second longer in bounds, throws a little bit across his body, hits Tyler Boyd for a touchdown. They did everything right. The play is beautiful. Burrow made a great throw. He stayed in bounds. It all was legal, except the referees clearly blew the whistle during the play, thinking Burrow was going to step out of bounds before the catch was made. By rule, you got to replay the down. So maybe they get the touchdown anyway, but the way that the red zone looked in this game, they probably don't. You probably get a field goal there, and they can't even review it. I wonder, did they, they you know, so they, they huddle together, they talk, they call the touchdown. I kind of wonder if they called it a touchdown so that it would be reviewed. All scores are reviewed, but we can't review whistles. We can't review an inadvertent whistle. So they just have to let it stand after that. I thought that that was a sham. The referees from this game are off for the rest of the postseason now because of it. And if you're a Raiders fan or a Raiders player, I think you got to feel very hard done by that inadvertent whistle that you just can't do anything about. Yeah, that, I, that was a tough play call. I didn't know what to make of it because it, it felt like it felt like Joe Burrow didn't step out of bounds. So it's like, how do you punish the Bengals? But at the same time, it's just like, look, you hear a whistle. And I think we all heard the whistle. I don't think the game was decided on that. The game was basically yeah. this. Because, I mean, the Raiders came right back down and scored a touchdown. It was 13-20 at the end of the half. Both teams had their chances. At the end of the day, the Raiders couldn't score touchdowns. The Bengals couldn't score touchdowns. And the Bengals just happened to do a little bit more offensively. So... The whole game, it just felt like the Bengals were in control. And then the final drive, I guess this is very similar to the Dallas game. I don't understand how you spike the ball on first down with 30 seconds oh. to go. And you're inside of the 10-yard line. Like, why are you wasting one of your downs? You get four plays to save your season. Four plays, that's it. And 30 seconds is plenty of time at that point of the game. Like you, you don't want a lot of time left because you're about to hope that you tie the game. You don't want any time left for Cincinnati who, by the way, has a rookie field goal kicker, Evan McPherson, who is just nails, hitting everything. Like, I kept waiting for the rookie to miss that one kick after he'd been great all season. But four for four, hit from all over the field. We don't talk about special teams that much. You felt the special teams advantage, the Bengals here. They are number eight in DVO in the season, Raiders 21st. 
He felt it all game long. Daniel Carson hit his kicks, but McPherson, they, you just knew anywhere in range, he was money. He was going to hit it. The Raiders also had that play early in the game where they get the kickoff and they, they grab the catch going out of bounds at the two yard line and literally cost themselves 38 yards of field position. The guy's trying to catch it out of bounds, but didn't quite get there first 38 yards. Like that's, that's like one of the biggest plays of the entire game. And we kind of just shrug because it's a special teams play, but I thought that was big. Another that, thing that was huge. That- and I'm going to be honest with you. At that point, I said to myself, this game's over. <laughs> and that was pretty early. So that, that lines up with why you kind of felt like it was done. Credit to, to Trey Hendrickson. We, a lot of people talked. I, I talked a lot about the Raiders pass rush. Trey Hendrickson has been underrated pass rusher for the Bengals. He was awesome. Uh, I saw from next gen stats through three quarters. When Hendrickson was on the field, the Bengals were pressuring on 44% of the plays. When he was off, 0%. No pressure without Trey Hendrickson. So he was great. Another way this echoed the Cowboys game was just constant Raiders penalties, constant, especially on the O-line. Like we, we know they trade away a bunch of O-linemen during the offseason, but it felt like every time the Raiders would break through and get a good play, it'd come back in a penalty. They had a 19-yard screen, back in a penalty. They had an eight-yard run down to the one-yard line, trying to get a touchdown, back in a penalty, settle for a field goal. 35-yard pass to Deshaun, called back on a penalty. They had a five-yard run for a first down late in the game, called back in a penalty. So uh, only seven penalties for 46 yards, but they were very key moment penalties. And I, I felt like that really cost the game there. The, the thing about the Bengals that bothered me, we talked about this during multiple of their games this year. The numbers think that Joe Mixon is a good runner. I think he finished second in the league in rushing yards, but the metrics don't think that the Bengals should be running as much as they are. They're overcommitted to the run game. We knew the Raiders' run defense was pretty good. They were good this game, and the Bengals kept running too much. So many times they'd be on a third and long because they wasted an early down running back into the line. Here's the numbers from the game. 21 times on first or second down, the Bengals ran the ball. Negative 0.23 EPA per play. 21 plays, 19% success rate, and only two first downs on that. So. That to me is a problem because we saw Burrow and his receivers break out those last two games they play in the regular season. I thought maybe that was going to turn this into a pass heavy team. And then they went right back to too much run defense. They're going to Tennessee. Now the Titans are a very good run defense too, but can be beaten in the passing game. But if they're going to keep over relying on Mixon, uh, I think that that's going to be a problem. And, and at this point we have to believe they're going to, because it's basically what they've, they've proven. Yeah, without a doubt. Zach Teller, he's not a coach that I look at and see as a, a top-tier coach in this league. So it's it's tough to back him. But I mean, Joe Burrow is so good. Jamar Chase is just so dominant that they're kind of winning in spite of their head coach. Yeah, I think so. One other note here as we wrap up. I got my eye on this. I didn't really see much reporting on it. But second to last play for the Bengals, as they're just trying to run the clock out, they put Jamar Chase on a handoff going to grab him a little bit, pulling a muscle, maybe just took a knee to the wrong spot. Hopefully that's all that it was. But Jamar Chase was huge in this game. Anytime they needed a play, Burrow just went right back to his guy. And I'm definitely got my eye on Jamar Chase. And I, I kind of like the Tennessee value perhaps early on as we don't, we don't know what happens with Chase yet, but the Bengals, like Chase has been their guy. So I hope that he's okay. I want to see him out there. He's been so much fun to watch. But I do have my eye on that one. The defensive injuries are the biggest injuries for the Bengals next week. Trey Henderson, you lose Larry, Agung Jobe. They left the game in the third quarter. So that's something that you want to look forward to next week, especially against this Titans team, which loves to run the ball. Yeah, for sure. That, that will be key as well. All right. Three other games this weekend. None of them were close. Let's go to Saturday night. Bills Patriots. I was excited for that one. You told me it was not going to be a great game. It was not a great game and not the way that either one of us thought it would be. The Bills demolished the Patriots, 47-17. Bills hit the over on their own, obviously get the cover. Bills got the opening touchdown drive, looked very good. Josh Allen looked great, but the Patriots marched right down the field and looked like Mac Jones about to just drop a nice dime right in for a touchdown. Micah Hyde makes an awesome play. Comes through on like the over-the-shoulder Willie Mays interception and the Patriots get no points out of it. And that's basically a wrap because 
the Bills score a touchdown on their first seven, like all seven drives, basically. They knelt at the end of both halves and they scored a touchdown on every other drive. They were, they were perfect. Like they literally played a perfect offensive game. No turnovers, no negative plays the entire game, no punts, no kicks. They just scored every time on a very good Patriots defense too. So just an absolutely dominant performance. Yeah, I mean, look, six for seven on third down, 482 total yards, 8.9 yards per play, 6.6 yards per carry, 174 yards rushing. You can't play a better football game than the Buffalo Bills offense play. I actually took the first half under 22 and a half, and it was very frustrating for me because even with the Bills playing so perfect, the Patriots could just get one stop. We're there. Like they literally just one stop, a third down stop. Like one of the big plays that everybody complained about was on the first Bills touchdown drive. There was a holding penalty they just didn't call. The Bills were just so perfect other than that. It just didn't even matter. So this was just a totally dominant performance. I I don't even know what to say about Bill Belichick and this Patriots team. It's one thing for the Patriots office not to show up. I didn't expect the, the, the Patriots defense to struggle in this manner. I agree. And the Patriots offense, you know, they did a little bit. Mac threw two touchdowns. So the Patriots offense to me is not the main culprit here. I agree. I did not expect the New England defense to just get absolutely crushed. To end the season, New England now looking back, their last four games, they allowed 33, 10, 33, and now 47. 47 points, the most that New England has allowed since 1990 against your hometown Philadelphia Eagles. Patriots, by the way, were 1-15 that year. This is the biggest Patriots defeat since last December against the Bills, 38-9. to It's the biggest defeat since before that was 31-0 also to the Bills back in the first game of, of 2003, which I think you probably remember as the Lawyer Malloy game. Uh, so this is, a, this is a rough one. Belichick has never really lost a game this badly with the Patriots. But good time if you're a Pats fan to remember that since that 31-0 Bills lost, their last defeat that was this big. Since then, you've been in 12 conference championship games and played in eight Super Bowls. So, you know, life could be worse. But uh, to, to me, the telling stat from this game was this. Josh Allen, five touchdowns, 66 rushing yards. He had his over-rushing prop on the first drive. I love that one. But the stat that was crazy. So, you know, we saw the Chiefs do this too. You know, when you get the offensive lineman touchdown, you know, the game is cooked. Like if you're drawing up the one yard, throw it to our fat guy touchdown, you're just playing to the home fans now. So Allen throws a touchdown to Tommy Doyle, one yarder to make it 47 to 10. It literally brought his quarterback rating down, throwing a touchdown pass because it brought his yards per attempt down and the QB rating system is stupid. But I thought that was hilarious that Josh Allen was so good in this game that a touchdown pass literally made his rating go down. And that's pretty much the story of the game to me. That's a hell of a stat. <laughs> Let's go to Eagles Bucks. That one was Sunday first game. And the this Bucks- was actually one that we were in Lionel. And I, like I always say that when we're aligned on something, it typically works out well for us. It did. Yeah. We, we were aligned on Saturday. I think pretty well. Oh, I don't know. We didn't see eye to eye on the, on the Patriots game. I was really off on that one. We were on this one. I got a little nervous when Leonard Fournette was going to be out and it was supposed to be this rainy, windy mess, which it was. Okay, is that going to suit the Eagles in their run game? No problem. The Eagles forgot to run. Miles Sanders ran seven times for 16 yards. Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell, one carry each. 43 throws for Jalen Hurts. What are we doing? This is not the way. You're not a passing team. The Eagles have 48 early down plays and ran 15 times. 60% successful. Pretty good. They passed 33 times for 33% or 30% success rate. So Bucks go up 31, 31, nothing. Right. And then basically we just got some garbage touchdowns for the Eagles. I thought for a little bit that the Bucks might end up blowing the cover, but they got the cover pretty easily here. 31, 15 final score. What'd you make of this game? Anything else here? Right before this game started, we actually saw some sharp money on the Philadelphia Eagles. We saw some sharp money on the total push this line down. And, you know, with the total coming down from 49 to 46, I actually started to get scared 
for this Patriots bet and I actually bought out of it. I, I think I laid eight and a half. There were some spots still at nine. It just didn't make sense because you're basically saying that the, the, the Eagles aren't going to score at all with this total being 46, 45. So I bought out of it at Eagles plus nine. And I think I had Patriots minus eight. And on Sunday, when I wake up in the morning, I actually see the Eagles at plus seven. So I'm like, okay, I made the right decision. Game starts and it just, it's finished Tom Brady. I say it all the time. Tom Brady is like Alonzo from training today. You give him 18 months, he'll give you a career. He got Keyshawn Vaughn out there. He got Giovanni Bernard. And it's just, I mean, Scotty Miller. It's Rashard Perriman. A bunch of guys other than Gronk and Evans. And he's just doing whatever he wants with this Eagles defense, which is what we expect because they can't, they're not a team who can, who can really stop the pass. So we kind of expected that, but I just, like the Eagles defense, the offense, they couldn't get anything going. Honestly, I don't want it to see the Eagles put in Minshew for this game because it was pretty clear that they were in a negative game script early and Jalen Hurts really couldn't get the ball out until it was garbage time. I think if they had put Minshew, they, they'd probably have a little better chance of this game. Maybe they get blown out even worse, but at least you got a guy who can sling the ball down the field. Yeah, it's going to be a tough decision for the Eagles in the offseason. I don't know what they do with Jalen Hurts at this point. You know, you trade it once, you got an extra first-round picks. So they got two picks now. Not a great quarterback draft. But I don't know if you invest in the quarterback, if you keep Hurts, do you keep Minshew, do you go in with those two guys next year? They've got some decisions to come. Eagles finished their 0-7 against teams that made the playoffs. Average margin of defeat over 12 points a game. So this is a team, this was a seven seed. It's, it's what, they are who we thought they were, right? As Danny Green would say, they, they made it in the playoffs just enough, and then they look like a seven seed. Uh, stink of the week, by the way, here. Smell it, smell it, smell it. It's the smell. It's quite pungent. Dude, plug your nose. It stinks. This is your stink of the week. Uh, we talked about the total, kind of bouncing around a little bit. So the total this morning was 45.5. So again, the Bucks are up 31-0. Brady's literally coming out in the third quarter, like Blaine Gabbard out here warming up. 31-0, still 13 minutes left. 46 is what we need to not get to. So that's 15 points away. We see the fade three scores from happening. The Eagles get a two-play touchdown drive. 31 yards to Devontae Smith, 34 Boston Scott. Touchdown, 31-7. The Bucks punt really quick. The Eagles come out after doing nothing all game and do a 10-play, 93-yard drive to score another touchdown. So we're now at 31-13, to 13, 44 points. We're still under safely by a point and a half. And then they go for two, which, let's be fair, you should go for two. They were down 24. That's technically only three touchdowns and three scores. You're playing for your season. They go for two, throw to Devontae Smith. And if you had the 45 and a half under and you got the 46 on the over after all that, that is a nasty stink of the week. I thankfully was not on the over-under on this one because, like you said, the weather factor had it jumping around so much. But that, that's a rough one if you had a... It's, it's actually more rough if you had the, the over on a later number because it almost just <laughs> felt it, it felt like you were going to get another score out of Tampa Bay and it just didn't happen. So <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't on either. Uh, I, the, we got to watch the Bucks injury report this week on their offensive line. We saw Tristan Wirfs go out injured, came back in. Uh, we also saw the center Ryan Jensen also went out. Uh, both, both those guys came back, but you know, part of what makes Tom Brady so good in that system is the great protection he's getting. Worst has been awesome his two seasons there. They can't afford to lose any more guys. So glad to see them back out there. But I'll keep a straight on it. I'm not too worried about it. But, you know, we've got to make sure that those guys are... I, I are think it's a concern just based on who they could possibly play next week. If the Rams win this game, they're going to be facing Aaron Donald. If yeah. the Cardinals win this game, you're going to be facing possibly J.J. Watt. So... You're going to deal with Chandler some Jones. Yeah, Chandler Jones. You're going to be facing two of the toughest pass rushes in the NFL. I mean, we look at the Rams. They're first in pass rush win rate. So no. these are no slouches. I mean, obviously, the Cardinals are a little worse, but they're 13th in pass rush win rate. So Brady against a tough pass rush who can rush the middle, it's a problem. So I do think it's something that you got you got to be concerned with and monitor as the week goes by. Sunday night, we don't need to spend much time on this one. The Chiefs finished at, or closed as 12.5-point favorites. We'll always remember the day that the mighty Big Ben went on the road to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs 
and led the Steelers to a seven, nothing early lead in the game only because he had basically just done nothing all game. Chiefs offense did nothing and then tried to run a gimmick play. TJ Watt gets the touchdown. Chiefs had the long punt return early. And then we had the Pat Mahomes tipped interception, another TJ Watt play. I started to feel like it's might be one of those games there. We saw that with the Chiefs early in the season, like all those weird red zone turnovers. And then, nope, right after the, the Steelers take the lead, the Chiefs score, they score again, they score again. It's 21 7 at halftime, game over. So, like, same old playoff Chiefs. They kind of play with their food for about the first 20 minutes and then just ran away with it after that. Yeah, this was one of those games where sometimes you just think it's so easy and you just don't want to bet because it's, there's just no way, okay? You're giving us 12 and a half, you're giving us, it's just, you don't want to take it. And through the first, I say the first quarter of this game, and maybe a little bit more, it felt like Tomlin had his team ready to play. This defense was pretty dominant. They held the Chiefs down. And, you know, I was watching something the other day, and they said, in order for the Steelers to win this game, they actually need a defensive score. And they get a defensive score, and you're thinking, you know what, maybe the Steelers have a chance to possibly pull the upset. And it's like a light switch almost. And before you know it, this game was pretty much over. And and Patrick Mahomes showed why he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, why this offense is just so dominant, so tough to beat. And then we know the Steelers were overmatched. Great end to Ben Roethlisberger's career. He he got into the postseason, so with a team that probably shouldn't have made it. And let, let's let's be fair too. I, I said that he might have a Drew Brees or Dan Marino end to his career. Not quite, you know, a little more respectable than that. Threw a couple of touchdowns there, four point nine yards per attempt. That's pretty good for Big Ben. That's like five yards a pass. That's not bad for our guy. Mahomes five touchdowns. I will say too, I'm gonna take a ton away from what the uh, the Steelers' offense did here, but. The Steelers' pass defense had gotten pretty good toward the end of the season, especially with all their stars out there. The uh, Chiefs had 478 yards, 7.4 yards per play, 8 of 12 on third down, 4 of 4 in the red zone. This is a pretty impressive performance against a good Steelers defense down the stretch there. So credit for that. Jarek McKinnon, huge game. I, I love a number one. They just you're, you're like a 20% better as a player if you get the number one on your jersey. It worked for Cedric Wilson somehow this season, too. So McKinnon had 142 yards and a touchdown. Um, The Chiefs, we mentioned, you know the game is over when the Chiefs start screwing around in the red zone. We had the touchdown pass to an old lineman, Nick Allegretti, shouts to him. We have Travis Kelsey throwing a touchdown. Why not? Just like, let's, let's put that in the back of the mind of four defensive coordinators out there that just have to be terrified of yet another Chiefs wrinkle. Like, you know, that's all the Chiefs are doing at this point is just, getting things on film so that other coaches have to plan for it in the future. So dominant performance for the chiefs 42, 21, like how many times have the chiefs done this in the playoffs alone where they screw around for 20 minutes and they're huge favorites. And then they end up like covering and covering with ease. Still, that was the entire playoffs last year until the super bowl. Yeah. I mean, look, it was the, it was the playoffs the year before as well. <laughs> so, I mean, like right before, Actually, their whole Super Bowl run was that. I mean, look, they were down against the Titans and scored 41 unanswered points. <laughs> they were down 10 minutes with they were down 10 with five minutes to go in the Super Bowl and scored 21 unanswered points. So that's what this Chiefs team does in the playoffs. I don't know if it's going to continue to work out for them. Obviously, they lost to the Buccaneers last year. I think they got a, a, a tough test next week against the Buffalo Bills who was already coming to Arrowhead and beat them. So can't play with your food next week. Can't play with your food, except if it was last season in the AFC title game when they let the Bills go up 9-0 and then went 38-6 to on another one of those playoff runs. So maybe they can play with their food. We'll see. I'm excited to watch that one. I think we got the AFC championship a week early, but we'll talk about those matchups in a bit. Let's first hear a quick word from our sponsor and get to Monday Night Football. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win... 
BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, Monday night, we've got one more playoff game. Our first Monday night playoff game ever, to my knowledge. We got an NFC West battle. The Arizona Cardinals head to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. The Rams are three and a half point favorites. Total is at 49 and a half. I'm mad. I waited all season to fade both of these teams in the playoffs. We can't fade them both. They're playing each other. Who do you like here, Cardinals or Rams? It's so funny because I think if the Cowboys and 49ers have been playing either one of these teams, the Cowboys and the 49ers would be advancing. And those are two teams that I think everybody were looking to buy. And that's why you saw some sharp money on the Cowboys, a little sharp money on the the 49ers as well. And in, in this matchup, you have two teams that nobody likes. Matthew Stafford has completely struggled against winning teams throughout his career. He's just 31, 51, and two. That's 38 percent against the spread he's 26 58 31 percent straight up per our action labs database and that's another spot that he finds himself again against kyler murray and his arizona cardinals team both of these teams have split games this year but it's like you look at stafford i don't know how you lay points with this guy at this point he continues to struggle with turnovers he has eight interceptions and one fumble over the last four games of the season and things aren't going to get any easier against this Cardinals defense who are just, they're six in DVO. They're, they're six in football outsiders DVOA, fifth against the pass. So it's, it's tough to back Stafford here. Obviously, the Cardinals are struggling on their own. What do you think about the Cardinals? Do you feel like their late season woes were a bit of a fluke? Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, like you said, if the matchups were switched and we had one of these teams playing the Niners and one playing the Cowboys, I would have smashed the Niners and the Cowboys. I don't care who's which one. I would have felt great about both of them there. I'm already ready to back up the Brinks on the Bucks next week. Like, I don't really care. Whoever this is, like, here's what I want from this game. I want one team from Monday night to blow out the other team. I don't care who it is. I just want one team to look really good so that the line goes down and I can get my Bucks money in for the following week. That's really all I want from this game. Like, early in the season, the passing offenses. The Cardinals were number two in DVOA. The Rams are number three, weeks one through eight. The last eight weeks, the Cardinals are number 17 in passing attack. The Rams are number 16. So they completely fell off. And that's what McVay and Kingsbury offenses have done. McVay made the Super Bowl before, but his offenses continue to be great early, fall apart a little bit later, certainly fall off at least back to average. The Rams only went two and five against playoff teams. I don't really feel like we trust a lot there. Cliff Kingsbury, we've talked about him over and over again about all the late collapses on him. We've seen how their offense has created a little bit and Kyler Murray not looking healthy. DeAndre Hopkins, we know is not back yet. We know he's going to be back for a bit at least. The Rams offense, that was this juggernaut early on. They're only 14th in a way to DVOA. So there again, they, they've fallen back. That way to DVOA, the reason we like that is because it shows what do you look like now? What do you look like in these past weeks? And what they look like is they can't run the ball. They're missing Robert Woods. Odell Beckham hasn't really made a big difference. They look like Cooper Cup. Cardinals are top three in DVOA against wide receiver one. I'm not saying they're going to erase Cooper Cup. You don't erase Cooper Cup at this point. He's, he's too good. But if your offense is down to hey, Cooper Cup, go do something. Like, we've really lost the step here, if that's the offense. Like, Jared Goff better run that offense. And so 
Stafford, you had all the stats. I had all those too. Just doesn't show up against these these good teams. And I I don't trust either team, but given that we're above a key number here and laying three and a half points on Stafford makes me feel like, okay, if I've got a play here, I'm, I'd rather nibble at the Cardinals because I'm at least getting three and a half points. This could be, you could tell me any outcome, you, any script for this game, and it would make sense to me because nothing will make sense. But if I'm getting three and a half points for Matt Stafford, the way that he's looked and the way they've looked, and knowing that the Cardinals are 6-0 and as underdogs this year, all on the road, 6-0 and against the spread and straight up, they've won every one of those games. I feel like I'm leaning the Cardinals here, but I'm definitely not putting too much of my uh, Bucks, Chiefs, and Niners winnings on this one. I actually believe they're eight. I think they're eight and one straight up and against the spread. I actually took some Cardinals plus four and a half. This line's down to three and a half. It's priced right where it should be, but I agree with you. I think if you're going to take a side, you got to take the Cardinals in this matchup. One of the things people will mention for the Rams is that they're first in ESPN's pass rush win rate. So they can get pressure on the quarterback. But if there's any quarterback in NFL who can neutralize a pass rush, it's Kyler Murray. He can escape the pocket, almost compare him to like Tom and Jerry. It's like you're just watching this little mouse just escape and just go through everything. It's almost like trying to swat a fly. And as good as that pass rush is, we saw these two teams play, and Kyler Murray was just able to run all over the field. You mentioned the loss of DeAndre Hopkins. It's been catastrophic for this offense. This offense was second in EPA per play and third in success rate with DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup, and they've dropped to 16th in EPA per play and 14th in success rate without him. So while he won't play, it's tough. I think you got to be looking at James Conner to see what he's going to do in this matchup. Obviously, they're really going to need him. He, he, he left last week's game with a rib injury. That's going to be huge for this Cardinals team. But if you got to take a side on this one, I think you got to go with the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, favorites have been dominating all wild card weekend. The only underdog that actually covered and won was the San Francisco 49ers. As we know in the NFL, typically the team who wins, they cover the spread. So I think when it comes to this one, maybe you want to sprinkle something on the Arizona Cardinals if you think that they're going to cover because more often than not, the team who wins in the NFL players is going to cover. A couple couple stats to support you here out of action laps. Cliff Kingsbury as an underdog, 18-7-2 against the spread lifetime. 72% cover rate. That's a pretty strong showing, and they're covering by 6.3 points a game. Remember, the spread's three and a half here, so you cover by six, you won the game. So that's good news. Here's another one for you. This is a small sample, but since 2003, when you've got division teams squaring up in the wildcard round, the home favorite is only three, nine, and one against the spread. So 25% cover. Home favorite has lost five of the last six outright and failed to cover all six of those games. So again, that's three and a half points to me. It's just this is too it's too many points. That's it. It's too many points. I'm playing the number here. I don't trust either quarterback a ton right now. I certainly don't trust either coach. I, I maybe trust the Rams defense a little bit. If it was a coin flip pick em game, I think I'd take the Rams then. But if you're giving me the three and a half, you're giving me the key number, and we know all, you know, it's a division game. These teams know each other well. There's a lot that can go either way. I just had to take the points. So I, I feel decent about the Cardinals plus three and a half. And I think you're right. If you play in the three and a half, like usual, it's usually a pretty good idea to sprinkle a little bit on the money line as well. But, uh, I think either one of these teams is about to get their last win of the season, whoever it is. See, I don't want to say that because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have some issues on the offensive line. And I think both of these teams can rush the passer. So I don't want to say that yet. I still want to think about things. And we don't know. I think one of these teams is going to emerge, obviously. And sometimes all it takes is that one win to put you back on, on the right path. So we'll see what happens. You're right. You're right. Survive in advance. You're four wins away from being Super Bowl champions right now. So we'll see what happens. I'm excited to watch it. It should be a good game. It should be a fun one. I'm going to get a little Peyton and Eli back in my life. It's our one last chance for the season to hear from those guys on ESPN. So I'm ready. It's our first Monday night playoff game. How can you not like it? Yeah, you got to uh, love it. Before we get out of here, let's do our hot read. Hot rock. Blue 17. Oh, nice right. Ice cream. Jose. 
We're not going to do our usual hot read. We're just going to quickly talk through. We've got three matchups set. Obviously, we don't know yet on the Bucks versus Rams or cards. We talked about that one just a bit already. But first game coming on Saturday, the Bengals head to Tennessee to take on the rested one seed deserving Titans. Three point favorites right now at home. Totals at 45. What's your first instinct on Bengals Titans? Before we get into some divisional round games, I want to break down an interesting stat I actually found in our Bet Labs database. Number one and number two seeds in the second round of the playoffs, they're just 26 and 34. That's 43% against the spread. If you break that down to just number one seeds, obviously, we only, only one of these teams has a bye this year. They're 13 and 21 over the last 34 years or so. So, and then when you look at them straight up, Number one and number two seeds are 39 and 20. That's 66% straight up. When you break that down to just number one seeds, you're looking at a record of 23 and 10. So we see these number one seeds and we see the number two seeds, obviously, they tend to win these games. But as of recently, they haven't been covering. So that's something to look forward to when you have this Titans game. My first inclination was to say that the Titans are being disrespected here. And we've said it before, that the Bengals have faced the 31st schedule of opposing pass defenses. They're not a pass defense, which can really slow down anybody. We saw it in the, Raider, in the Raiders game. And I think you'll see it here with a healthy A.J. Brown and a healthy Julio Jones and a team that could run the ball. Look, this line opened at two and a half. You're seeing it go up to three, and I think that's for a reason. I, I'm looking at the Titans in this game if I, had to, if I had to choose anything. Yeah, I lean Titans here as well, and it sucks because I've waited all season long to bet against the Titans in the playoffs, but I think that we just might need to wait one more week still. Like uh, my, my most favorable outcome in this game is for the Titans to get the win and then host the Chiefs or the Bills because I know exactly which way I'm going in that one. Whatever the line comes out, it won't be high enough. I'm ready to take the visitors in that one. But I, I do think that there was a little bit too much disrespect here on the Titans. Derrick Henry, it looks like, should be back here. A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are going to be rested and a little healthier. I think that the rest and the bye week, it, it's a big deal here. And, and getting the home field advantage is a big deal, too. The Bengals were way worse on the road this season than they were at home. The Titans are much better at home. Like that That's the whole point. That's how it's supposed to be. But in both their cases, you look at the advanced metrics, it really bears out for those teams. So uh, I, I like the Titans. I don't, I don't love the Titans here. I do think that there's a chance we might get back below the three. I liked it a lot better at two and a half, getting below the key number there. Um, I don't, I, certainly if it gets past the three, I'm not going to be too excited. I might just end up staying away from this one. But I feel like... The yeah, Bengals, we, actually, we actually moved up to three and a half. As a matter of fact, yeah, I think there's... The market is mostly at three and a half at this point. So wow, okay. I think that's what you're seeing a ton of Titans money in the market. It's actually moving as we speak. Sports betting market never slows down. So well, we'll see where it goes this week as the week goes on. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes back the other way a little bit. The Bengals are kind of the darling, you know, like they're, they're the young team that the public loves to fall in love with and, and get their money on. So I think as the week goes on, I wouldn't be surprised if the public bets this like this feels like a pros Joe's game. It feels like we're going to get a lot, a lot of public money on the underdog Bengals, and that the pros might be on the Titans and end up kind of keeping this line right where it's at. So we'll, we'll see where things go on it. You like the one seat at home without getting a ton of points here. Saturday night, 49ers head to green Bay, another one seat there. Packers are rested. They're the biggest favorite of the weekend right now. I'm seeing minus five and a half, 47 and a half on the total. The Niners, look, this was the whole reason that I love the Niners coming in the postseason because I knew they'd be a low seed. And if they won this first game, I knew they'd be going to Lambeau. And this is it. This is the matchup you wanted. The Packers have a poor defense and a bad, straight-up bad run defense. Kyle Shanahan's run system, Trent Williams, George Kittle, Juszczyk, Debo, Elijah, all those guys. This is like the thing we just saw with Dallas. Green Bay's defense is a worse version of that. And I think the 49ers are built to be able to punish that defense. It's playoff football. Packers are bad, especially on first down. 
The Niners are great on first down. Packers are bad against tight ends. I love how the Niners offense matches up here. The question is, do the Niners have enough defense to do their job? You had Nick Bosa lead the game with the head injury. We don't know what's going to happen with him. We had Fred Warner lead the game. And they did say Fred Warner was ready to come back in that Dallas game. Obviously, I think they held him out as a precaution. So if those two guys are playing, I think they could generate a pass rush on this Packers offensive line. Obviously, they did get David Bakhtiari back in the lineup, and that's huge for this Packers team. I guess this 49ers team, their secondary hasn't been the best. Obviously, Emmanuel Mosley has come back, but you can pass on this secondary. So I think the big thing in this matchup is the 49ers with that dominant run game, they're going to have to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. Obviously, 49ers are ninth in EPA per play. Rushing, they're ninth in rushing success rate. When you look at the Packers, they're 30th in defensive run EPA per play, 30th in success rate. That outside runs zone scheme, which you mentioned before, is something that the 49ers have been able to dominate the Packers with. These two teams played earlier this year in San Francisco. and. Jimmy G actually led them down the, down the field for what could have been a game-winning score. They just left a little bit too much time for Aaron Rodgers. And that game, the 49ers were laying, I, I believe they were, they were actually um, favored in that game. I think they were laying three and a half. So this is a game in which I, I think the 49ers are live, but you do want to check on that injury report. So I agree with you. Look, you have some 49ers futures. I have some 49ers futures. So I'm hoping they can get it done, and I think they have a shot. So this is probably one of those games that, I'm going to be looking towards. Yeah, I'm on the Niners for sure. I already got my bet in the app. I already got my pick out. This is my hot read. So I know I don't think you're doing an actual hot read pick right now as we're going through. I got my bet in on the Niners already. I grabbed the money line. I got a plus 185. I will say this. I, I want to know about those injuries. Is Warner going to play? Is Bosa going to play? What about Jair Alexander? What about Zadarius Smith for the Packers? It's a big injury news week. So at, at five and a half, if I can get to a six, six and a half, seven, Green Bay is a very public team. I do think the public is going to panic a little bit on San Fran after the collapse there that we saw. So I think that the line couldn't move that way, especially if Jerry Alexander plays or Zadarius Smith, and we get some of that good Green Bay news. So I'm not really too worried at five and a half as a 49ers better. I'm not worried about five or four and a half. Those are all about this. I'm not losing a ton of value there. So if, you're, if that's the range you're in, you don't need to rush out and grab it. If it gets to six, six is a key number now, six and a half, seven, those half points are a big deal. And I already grabbed the money line early too, because that one's going to be moving around a little bit. And already some of the value has gone on that one. So I like it. I'm going to get my hot read pick in on it. And I may add more as the week goes on. So we'll see Sunday, Tampa Bay hosts the Cardinals or the Rams. We'll come back to that one. We'll do all these again, of course, in more depth on Friday. And then the big one, Bills Chiefs on Sunday, the late game. Chiefs right now are two and a half point favorites. This is our fourth time we get to see this game in two seasons. These are the two teams we thought were the best in the AFC all year. I'm excited to watch it. Do you have a lean early on this one? I had to choose anybody. I think I would choose the Buffalo Bills. I actually make this game a pick them, and it's more so just a numbers play for me. The Chiefs just to me, they have been inconsistent all season long. When you look at their games against non-Raiders opponents, or in this case, non-Stillers opponents, um, they typically struggle to score. And I think we saw a little bit of that, that tonight. I think the biggest issue I'm having with this game is that the Buffalo Bills just they came off a perfect win. And I, I just don't know if you could possibly play any better than the way that they played last week. And for me, obviously – the, the Chiefs, they did their thing. They blew out the, the Steelers. But when a team plays as well as the Buffalo Bills, it's kind of – it's tough backing them the next week. So I, this is something I want to think about for a little bit. Over under, I believe, on this game is 54-and-a-half. I actually make this a little bit lower, around 51. So maybe we could see more of a defensive battle in this matchup. But I, I'm kind of sitting this one out right now. I need to do some thinking on it. Yeah, that total is rising too, because I put that in at 53 when I was getting ready for this about an hour ago. So I think we're getting money already on the over. I lean under as well, just because 
You know, we know the Bills' defense is good. The Chiefs' defense has been a lot better down the stretch, too. We're going to see some scoring, though. No doubt about that. We know great offense beats great defense when it comes down to it. So my lean here is for the Chiefs. And the reason is I think that this line is giving a little too much respect to the Bills on two recency biases. Number one, the perfect game they just played against the Patriots. Number two, we saw the Bills finally beat the Chiefs earlier this season, and they beat them real good. <laughs> they dominated them, but that was week five. The Bills dominated, but Patrick Mahomes was absolutely terrible and very likely is not going to be that bad again. And what we saw was two main things. Number one, the Chiefs defense had no shot in that game. Josh Allen was an absolute monster. I think 0.63 EPA per play. It's like MVP game, and he can do that. We decided to do it again this weekend. But the Chiefs defense was absolute train wreck early on. This is not the same defense again. So that's a big change. The other thing is Mahomes had no time all game. We knew early in the season that might be the case because the Chiefs had like four or five new offensive linemen out there every single snap. And that line has come together a little bit now. So I, I wrote about this game a little bit already. I don't think we should take too much, so much away from that first game. We should take away that the Bills can do this and are going to be in it. And this is not just going to be a Chiefs rivalry where they dominate every single game. We've seen how good the Bills can be. But same reason, you know, last year the Chiefs won twice. It's fine. The Bills defense this year is not what it was last year. Like every matchup is unique. And I think that the Chiefs are peaking right now and, and are, are are the best version of themselves that they've been. I think we're getting value on the line. And when it comes down to it, if we've got a spread under three, we basically are looking at a coin flip type game. I want the coach that I trust. I want the quarterback that I trust. I want the home team. If you're playing king of the hill, you got to knock the king off the hill. And the Chiefs are still the king until the Bills do it when it matters most. So I like getting it under three. So I lean Chiefs here, but I'm just, I'm really excited to watch this game because these are the two teams we wanted to see all season. You kind of convinced me on the Chiefs at this point. Josh Allen still has to prove it to me. I mean, he was just so dominant last week. But to go in the arrowhead twice in one season and win, it's it's a tough sell. But my numbers, like the Bills in this matchup, I would lean in the direction of my numbers at this point. But we'll we'll see what happens over the course of the week. We'll we'll talk this through, and we'll be back on Friday to let you know our definitive picks on these games. Yeah, Friday we'll go through all four. We'll do our best bets and preview all four games again. And of course, uh, you guys will get Stucky and Raybon Wednesday night with the NFL betting six pack. That is going to wrap it up today at the Action Network podcast. Don't forget, if you haven't yet, to get please rate and subscribe and review to the podcast on Apple and Spotify. I think I saw we're over 100 reviews now. Send out 4.9 stars. Give us those five. Come on, give us the five stars, baby. Same podcast schedule all throughout the playoffs. So Wednesday for Stucky and Raybon, Friday Raheem and I, and then we'll be back at the end of the four divisional games next week to wrap things up again. For Raheem Palmer, I'm Brandon Anderson, and this has been the Action Network Podcast. We're on to the divisional round. <laughs>